Welcome to the Woodstock Baptist Church Podcast, where real-life stories meet transformative power. Join us as we delve into inspiring moments of change, filled with hope and God's grace in this week's episode. Well, welcome to our podcast, a ministry of Woodstock Baptist Church. I'm Craig Woodcock, the senior pastor at Woodstock Baptist, and I'm here once again with my friend Rita Sonier, who leads our Grief Share ministry. And the aim of our podcast ministry is for you, the listener, uh, to hear uh, people's story, to hear the experiences that they've gone through in life and how God uh, entered into their pain and how God helped them. And so Rita has experienced a lot of pain in her life, and it came as a result of the death of some very close family members. And so far in our podcast series, Rita has shared with us about the death of her brother in his early 20s and her dad, a very unexpected death. And in this podcast, Rita's going to share with us about the death of her husband, Mike. Now, before we get into the circumstances around Mike's death, uh, once again, Rita, I'd really like to hear you tell us about Mike. Can you, can you know, share with us how you met and how you would describe the relationship that you had with him? You know, tell us what kind of a husband was he? What kind of a father was was Mike in life? Okay, so. Um like I, we've talked about this before, that, that I gave my life to the Lord. And uh, so approximately a year and a half after I gave my life to the Lord, I felt like the Lord wanted me to go to Bible school. And um, that would have been foreign to me before, but uh, at that point, I, I don't even know why I felt like that. But anyway, uh, so I was getting ready to go to Bible school, and there's this gentleman in church, and he came to me and he said, oh, nice place for you to meet a husband. <laughs> and I thought, huh, that's not why I'm going there. But anyway, so I, that, I decided that I was going to tell the Lord what I wanted, and then I figured the Lord's not going to find one anyway. So I don't know why I thought that. But So my first day on campus at NBBI, I, um, my roommate, all she could talk about was Mike Sonier. I said, who is this guy? And she had worked with him that summer. And she, I had told the Lord ahead of time, before I got there, I want him to be French. And I want him to be a grad because I couldn't have him on campus if I was going to study. And I wanted him to love the Lord more than anything else. So the first day that I'm on campus, my roommate, she's talking about this guy. And I, so I said, well, who is he? And she said, well, he's a French guy from Tracadie. And he graduated last year. And he works for Mission La Bonne Nouvelle in Moncton. And I thought, oh my goodness, Lord, you found one. I couldn't believe it. I really couldn't believe it. But anyway, so um, after I graduated from Bible school, then I moved to Canada in, uh, in the Montreal area. And uh, four months later, we got married. And uh, yeah, it was, it was good. Uh, then we moved to New Brunswick. And there's a lot of stuff that happened. Um, we realized that our relationship was not going to work if we didn't do something about it. And so we went to um, conferences, uh, couples conferences in Montreal, and we realized that we liked the fashion, the type of um, counseling that Larry Crabb did. And so we tried to find a place where it was that type of counseling. So we found this place in Winnipeg, 
the Winnipeg Bible College was what it was called at first. And so we set out to go to Winnipeg. And uh, he was going to study in counseling because to help our relationship. And then we hoped that he would be able to help other people. So that was our purpose for going there. One of the things that we connected on was that we love to talk about theology. So we really connected on that. And then uh, we discovered that we both love to laugh. And right. we have two languages to laugh in, <laughs> not just one. So we really, really enjoyed the bantering between the two languages and, and just being able to uh, laugh a lot. We had three children. Uh, Nicholas was born in, in Quebec. Um, and um, he was a hyper child, so he had ADHD, okay. probably sort of like his mother. And so uh, that was a challenge. Uh, we'll talk about that another time. But um, so, you know, we and then we moved because I there's a period of four years between uh, Nicholas and Andre. And that's because I was sick in the hospital for a long time. And uh, we, you know, skipped a few years to have kids. He liked to make them laugh. So and the one thing is that we had a daughter. Our, our last child was a daughter. And uh, he used to sing to her uh, at night, and the song was My Girl. Mm -hmm. So he sang that every night when he put her to bed. <laughs> so she remembers that. That's, that's her song is My Girl. We moved a lot, you know, in those years uh, between the time that he went to study and the time that, that uh, with the diagnosis of cancer. Um, we went to, we moved here in 2013 in uh, the Woodstock area and the purpose was which we thought was that we were moving closer to my family because we had never lived anywhere close to my family uh, God knew exactly what he was doing and our friend Carl from uh, Miramichi was not happy that we were moving here uh, because this was his walking buddy and they played all kinds of sports together and so they loved being together and Carl could not understand why the Lord would bring us here you know um, but we'll get into that after but uh, so you know we see God has directed our, our path all the way right. you know and we haven't uh, we never regretted any of the moves um, so it, maybe it was hard on our kids too though I don't I'm not quite sure there but um, we tried when we got to Miramichi uh, that was our last move before we moved here and we stayed there until the kids had all graduated from high school and um, yeah there was a lot of character in our house but anyway. okay so how many years were you and Mike married 32 it would have been 32 he died in August and it would have been 32 in, in October he, he died in August of 2018 2018 yes, yes. and um, can you tell us a little bit about about Mike and his death? Um, he was diagnosed with cancer, and um, why don't you just share a little bit about what it was like for him to receive that diagnosis, and what it was like for you to hear that, and and how did you guys work through that? What happened? What happened next after you heard those words? Well, uh, before we heard those words, you know, like the, he had, we went to China, came back, we were there for two months, and uh, 
during that time we discovered that there was something not quite right with his uh, enzymes, his liver enzymes and stuff. So, uh, so we came back and then they, he went through a whole bunch of tests and stuff. And uh, I remember the day that we went to see Dr. O'Brien in, uh, in Waterville. And I said to him, I said, I really don't think it's cancer, you know, like, you know, that, that wasn't a, something that was in his family. There's lots of cancer, but not that kind, kind of thing. And uh, so we sat there and Dr. O'Brien said, it is a rare kind of a rare kind of cancer. Well, what does that mean? What does that look like? You know, we don't know. So it, it was cancer in the bile ducts in the liver, in the ducts of the liver. Not, maybe not bile, but anyway, ducts of the liver. And uh, so normally this cancer is on the forefront of the bile ducts that are on the forefront of the liver, but his was in the back. So the only, she said there's no treatment for this. There's no chemo, there's no nothing that you can do for this other than take the portion of liver that is damaged and take it out. So then we went to Halifax to um, see this doc, the surgeon, and he said, yes, we'll do this. And so they tried, and they were not successful uh, because his liver was attached to or stuck to his, the main artery that went down into his legs. And so when they tried to detach that, uh, he almost bled out on the table. So they just closed him up and said, there's nothing we can do except radiation. And so uh, we went back to see the radiologist in Halifax and she looked at him and uh, she looked at his paperwork, uh, his blood work and everything that he had gone through and she said, you cannot go through radiation because it will kill you. So that was devastating. I, I remember that very well. It was devastating because we had always had hope that something would work, you know. And at that point, that radiologist said, you probably have two months to live. So right. that's even more devastating. Right. Um, but I, I can remember um, visiting Mike at the QE2 hospital in Halifax where he had the surgery that they attempted. And I can remember, you know, spending time with him and him sharing uh, with me the news that they weren't you know, able to do the surgery that they'd hoped. And, you know, Mike was, in my opinion, very uh, matter of fact. Um, and he, you know, he, he, it was evident to me that he had a, a deep trust in God, that God was sovereign, that his life was in his hands. And he, he just seemed to have a, a peace in the midst of that. And Rita, there's a sense in which Mike's death is different um, than your brothers and your fathers because as you just said he was given two months to live and so you knew that the death was coming apart from a miracle at some point in the very near future and so so what was it like to face knowing that that it was coming at some point still uncertainty but but knowing it was coming how did you and Mike deal with that? How did you, how did you cope with that on a daily basis? How did it change conversations you had, the way you lived your life? Well, he, he kept having hope. Right. 
he, 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 didn't, he didn't lose hope that the Lord was going to heal him. Uh, I remember even with our, our small Bible study group that we had you and, and uh, Pastor Leonard come and pray over him. That's what scripture tells us to do, right? right. So we did that uh, in, in obedience to what scripture says. And so for him, he really thought that the Lord was going to heal him. Uh, it was always uh, disappointing that it didn't happen right away, right? Because in the Bible we see that Jesus healed, you know, this one or that one, and, and we expect that, and we wanted that. Um, but it, it wasn't happening. Mm. So he went to alternative medicines, and uh, the doctor that suggested this to him um, said, oh, this is going to heal that cancer. You know, and so he did a, I think it was 10 week treatment and went back and got some blood work and it still hadn't done anything to that cancer. Uh, it, it was a, it's a very, a very hard thing to go through. I remember, you know, we watched a movie one time together and uh, someone in the movie said something about crying alone. And so he asked me after the movie was done, he says, do you do that? And I said, yes, you know, when I went down to my bedroom in the basement, he was watching a ball game or something, I would just cry, you know, you, you, you just don't want this to happen, but this is what's happening. So reality sets in and I didn't want to cry with him and because I didn't want him to feel like I was losing hope that the Lord was going to heal him. So after I said, yes, I do that, he said, I don't want you to do that. I want us to cry together. Hmm. Because he said, we're in this together. It's not like, I don't want you to be alone grieving before it even happens, right? And this was even before we moved out of that big house that we were living in. So uh, the Lord knows everything and he, he, we were very confident that the Lord was with us regardless of the outcome. And uh, we just, you know, submitted our lives to him and s to see what he was going to do with that. Uh, so in, in the meantime, in the midst of all that, uh, we did a lot of hugging. Uh, we learned that in the morning when we met in the kitchen, uh, that we would stand there for as long as neither one of us moved. Right. And we would just hug. So it's those memories that I have that, that make that precious, you know, because it's very hard. When you lose your spouse, it's not like losing your brother, and it's not like losing your father. Uh, when you lose your spouse, you're losing the person that you've been most intimate with, and the person that backs you for whatever you want to do, and the person who is there to shovel the, the walk and you know there's all kinds of things right. that we don't think about until we lose that person mm -hmm. and uh, that significant other and so it was very difficult yeah. so rita um was there anything um in your experience with the loss of your brother and your father that would have prepared you for losing your husband Nothing, nothing at all. Nothing can really. Well, I mean, other that. than uh, other than turning to the Lord, because He's always there with us, right. you know, and uh, we knew that. Uh, 
But one of the things that, like towards the end, Mike spent about a month in the hospital here in Waterville. And uh, so one of the last things that he said to me was, but I don't want to leave you. Hmm. And so the memories is what keeps us going after. And hopefully they're good memories, right? Um, we had worked through a lot of issues in our lives. And so we were at a good place. Uh, after almost 32 years of marriage, we always loved each other. It's just that we were two people coming together and I was 30 years old when I got married. So, you know, you, you've got a lot of baggage coming into a marriage. But, you know, the Lord gave us hope in always believing that He was there with us. Right. And the peace comes from Scripture and friends. And I had a friend that uh, started sending me cards. Well, this was after Mike died, but she started sending me cards. And almost every week I, have, I had a card from this friend. And the people who rally around you, you know. And I had told my friend Heather, I said, uh, listen, I want you to make sure that you tell people in the church I don't want casseroles. And so I didn't get any casseroles. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but you know, you, you kind of have to decide for yourself what's good for you. Right. And I mean, I was living alone. I didn't need 10 casseroles in one day. And so, you know, you, you kind of learn how to, how to cope, not that it goes away. I mean, this is five years later right now as we speak today. And uh, there's still days where I have a hard time getting up off my bed. Mm -hmm. And I say to the Lord, I can't do this without you. Because he's the one that gives me the hope of getting up and doing something for someone else. Right. And that's what I do Grief Share for, right. is to be able to help someone else through their grieving, whether it's a spouse or a child. or. Right. And, I, and I'm sure clearly, as you've just stated, there have been some dark days, some very lonely days. And, you know, what you're, what you're telling us is, you know, you found your hope, you found your peace, you found your joy in the Lord in the midst of those painful circumstances. And the joy and the hope and the peace that God gave you you're using through your ministry of grief share to be yes. able to help to yes. be able to help others because i think you know like god didn't allow me to go through all these things so that i can just hide in my closet right. uh, he wants me to use it and hopefully this is what we're doing you know mm -hmm. like we're we're doing these videos yeah. to be able to help someone else yeah. but one of the things that has been and was before Mike died uh, that was very precious to us was music. And I think that the, the influence of the worship music that we have today, you know, to have CDs, I had a, I took Mike's phone uh, when he went into the hospital and I downloaded a whole bunch of music. I remember it playing when yeah. I would visit him. Yeah. So what I would do is when I left the room, I would plug in his phone so it wouldn't die and I would put the music on. And I thought, I thought well, it, it brought me comfort knowing that I was comforting him. I wasn't the type that could stay overnight into the, in the hospital right. on a cot, you know, like that couldn't be me. And he knew that. He, he told me that. I know you can't stay here. So, you know, you have to learn what you can do, what brings you comfort, 
and what brings comfort to the person who's dying as well, right? So, yeah, music is very therapeutic very. and brings brings hope. Yes. Is this something you want to share? Uh, this was a song that when we first got married, he oh, would sing okay. to me. So he All played right. the guitar, so he would sing this song to me. And I, I found it on, um, on, online. It's, called, it's the group Mustard Seed Faith. Okay. I don't know if you remember them. This way back in the early 70s, I think. But this one says that all through this life, you wandered here and there looking for something, something, anything, a place where people cared. You looked for meaning in a dark and dying world, and you get no smiles except from those you know so well. And it's so hard to even tell you're trying to drink from a dried up well. And through the years, many roads you take, the many dreams you had, and the life you tried to make, uh, and this becomes even more precious after, after many years of marriage, uh, the precious moments, the suffering and the pain, and many times you, your happiness became tears that felt like rain. And the emptiness you feel inside is like a bird who hasn't learned to fly. Now there's a door, it's open wide for you. The door is Jesus. Now won't you come and walk on through? Uh, his living water will fill your dried up well and overflow it with love that you can tell. He is the answer you've been looking for. He is the answer. He is so much more, and he's so much more. Mm. Thank so. you so much. Yeah. That's, uh, those are great words and a very powerful song. Yeah. And thank you once again, Rita, for sharing um, your story and your experience. And once again, it is our hope that, uh, and it is our prayer, that Rita's story would be a blessing, that it would minister uh, to someone else who's watching, listening, uh, who's experienced something similar, or maybe this will be used to help prepare you for something you may experience in the future. So we do want to thank you for tuning in and for listening and watching, and we pray God's blessing upon you. Thank you.